season four, episode three, Brackets, Bubbles, and Bid Stealers, Sam Fetterman, Jonathan Lidskin. This is the Top 100 Preview Show. Andrew Knows Ball is with us as well to discuss everything that's happened recently in college basketball and to preview the big lists that will be coming out onto your feed for the next 100 days starting Saturday, taking you all the way to November 6th when New Hampshire comes to the JMA Dome to take on Red Autry and the national champion favorite Syracuse Orange. Dude, good, dude this show should be over. Uh, that, <laughs> that should be it for the night. <laughs> anyway, um, a lot of stuff has happened for a July week, honestly. like It's been a busy week considering it's July. Yeah, I mean, if you if you want to start and go over some some of that, I work every day, so you have not been nearly as bu- as busy as me this week. So, oh, I'm not talking about like me. I'm talking about college basketball wise. No, I understand that, but I probably am just blanking on some stuff right now. Colorado is joining the Big Twelve. Yes, that is a thing that happens. They are rejoining the Big Twelve. In fact, how does this? affect the league who reminder is losing Oklahoma and Texas next year is adding now Colorado is considering adding Oregon Washington reportedly Yukon as well we'll have to see what happens here Jonathan how do you think Colorado fits in in the big 12 I mean like not particularly well with the way they've been playing the last couple years like the big 12 is the best conference in the country and it has been for the past, what, probably 10 years? Yeah, that, it's been about a decade. I mean, maybe not that long because the ACC hit a period where it was very, very good. But Colorado, they'll win. Like, they will win games. They won't win a ton with the way their program's currently at. But I can't imagine them being any worse than, like, how Oklahoma State's been the last seven years or so. Here's my thing. I think that you take the Big 12. Now there are two mountain schools in the Big 12. There's BYU and Colorado. So there's going to be mountain trips in the Big 12. That is going to eat up teams like Kansas. It's going to eat up teams like Baylor and Houston. It's We've seen it eat up Arizona and UCLA in the Pac-12 when you go to Utah and Colorado. It's going to eat up these teams when they go to BYU and Boulder. Do you think... Colorado now becomes the second toughest place to play in the conference outside of, of course, Allen Fieldhouse. Oh yeah, absolutely. Without a doubt. I've been, I've said Colorado is a top five home court advantage in basketball when they're good without a doubt. And top what? 12 when they're bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, you're not wrong there at all. I think that this, like this year's Colorado team in specific, like, in a 20-game league schedule in the Big 12 would probably win around eight games. Yeah, I was going to say 9 and 11 around that range. Like, yeah. like they will they will compete. They will win home games. They will give teams a hard time. But, yeah, they're, they're not going to come in and be, like, a bottom feeder consistently. They're, they're not going to come in and just lose every every game. This is not like how we expect UCF to be this year. Yeah, we're still waiting on the pack on the Big 12 schedule to 
drop so we can see if Johnny Dawkins is going to be a 37-point underdog in a conference game. Oh, my God. Regardless of that, um, that Colorado's got a good coach. Tad Boyle mm-hmm. is a good basketball coach. I don't think he has a particularly strong team compared to what some people think this year, and we'll get into that a little bit later. Um maybe a little bit sooner than some people would expect in the top 100. I mean, we're probably only like seven weeks away from the Colorado day. While some people would probably yeah. have, well, some I don't people want to would... give it too, too much away, but like the season starts, what November 4th, November 6th. 6th. Some... Okay. Like I-, I can promise you that you will not be seeing Colorado in October on Sam or I's list. Yeah, no. Um, I think that there's not I'm, – I'm not a big Colorado fan this year. Even though I like Tad Boyle, it's a weird thing. I just think that right. he's built is so oddly overrated. It was a mediocre team that added a dude who simply can't shoot and a center who doesn't score, and they're getting top 20 hype. Mm-hmm. Like, Cody Williams, I will give him this. He's a good passer, and he has good fluidity. But, like, I don't know what he's going to add to the scoring game because he's slim. He's not a shooter. I mean, he's a connection piece. Mm -hmm. Like, he's like a watered-down Thompson twin. I just, like, and I kind of said this the other day. Like, this is on three's fault. Like. (laughs) I'm not like not to say they're a bad service or anything because I do appreciate a lo- lot of their work, but I mean it's basically rank- just Joe Tipton carrying a bunch of bums. They, they redid their rankings, and Cody Williams just kind of popped up at number one in the class, and we were all just like, "Where did this come from?" And like people legitimately think Colorado's getting the number one player in the country. And And it was the same thing that ESPN did with Xavier Booker. Oh, God. Don't even get me started. Who's worse? Cody Williams or Xavier Booker? Who's worse? I agree with that. But that's a whole other conversation because I'm not sure a single big in this class, like, deserves to be in the top 20. Yeah. I mean, I like Dennis Evans for his defense. Right. He, I might, think he also team. might be the worst offensive player I've ever seen. <laughs> I, I, I think Milan Momsilovic is a good post scorer, but like, like I, he doesn't move. I think Biafall's all right. I, um, I, I don't think Biafall is good. I think he has no muscle. I, I agree with that, but I like I think his basketball instincts are good. He will block shots. Okay, yeah, I think he he moves well. He'll do basically. Like, what, I I don't see how he's any better than a guy like Kalel Ware, and Kalel Ware was well. Kalel Ware was actually like a good prospect last year, but he was ass. Is what my point? Yeah. We'll talk more about him later. Foreshadowing. All right. Um. But like another keen, another big news story recently. Bronny James went into cardiac arrest on Monday. And this is, like, I don't even know what to say about this. Like, obviously, 
we are hoping that he is okay. Then he was, he, he was released today, wasn't yes, he? Yes. For for all that we know, he is doing much better. We have no idea when he'll be able to play again. If he'll be able to play this season, probably will. I mean, it hap- similar thing happened with Vinci Wuchuku yeah. last year, and he was cleared by January. And, and I mean, now he's going to be a key player for them. They, USC is going to be really good. I mean, I have them in my top ten, and I will have them in my top ten regardless of whether Bronny plays or not. Vince, Vince's, um, what happened to Vince? That also happened, I think, like much later, like in the calendar. Like I think that was closer to like October when that happened. No, I think it was July. It was maybe it was July and we just didn't hear about it until yeah, because I think Norlander because like I, I had I, already done my Pac-12 preview when that when it was announced. I was listening to Ion College Basketball today. And Norlander said like he had the tip, but he didn't release it. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, very, yeah, very like, respectful journalist and potential future brackets bubbles and bid stealers guest Matt Norlander. But like obviously like. USC is going to be rightfully very cautious about this. Yeah. Um, and it's they can afford to do that because they have Isaiah. Yeah, Carter, they're deep. They have Boogie Ellis. They're they have deep. depth. I mean, they brought in Brandon Gardner as well um, in this recruiting class. I mean, this recruiting class is really good. It's four really good players. I mean, I think Arrington Page can be something down the line. Brandon Gardner, probably not an impact freshman, but he's an impact player at some point. Andrew, got yeah. anything to add? Um, not really. I mean, it's unfortunate that that happened to him. And again, I really, I really hope he plays. I was really excited to watch him, you know, being able to watch his dad growing up. Just, I don't know if it's kind of like a thing. I'm I really this old moment seeing him play college basketball, but he's okay first and foremost. So I'm just happy about that. So there has been some recent news in the transfer portal starting off in the city of Memphis, Tennessee. Um, a city that Jonathan visited famously, <laughs> like very famously, up there with like the Romans pillage of Carthage. <laughs> that was how famous Jonathan's trip to Memphis was. Okay, man. <laughs> so Tefali Lenard will not be enrolling. Is that official? It like I like I don't think Memphis has announced it, but every like it, every reliable it sounds like it's pretty much done but like i haven't seen an official it's happening (laughs) and all signs point to mr 29 year old deandre williams getting a waiver for another year of college basketball how does that impact memphis's standing in your top 100 um well losing lenard is big but it's not enormous like they have other guys first of all Torvik has already taken him off the roster um but they have other guys that can play that position like they'll be smaller guys maybe not as athletic as Leonard but a guy like David Jones for the instance, guy can be DeAndre Williams yeah is more and I was I was getting to that DeAndre Williams is obviously a really good good player and like I think my thought with Memphis without Williams and with Bernard was they're really athletic really really big could definitely be Penny's best team with Williams without Bernard 
my opinion is still the same. I think that it gives me more confidence in this team because let's not forget DeAndre Williams averaged 18 points, eight rebounds, three assists on 53% shooting and 40% from three. This is one of the best four men, four or five men in Mm -hmm. college basketball. And we didn't mention him at all last year. Like we didn't talk about him. It like on this podcast, I will say right now, we underrated DeAndre Williams impact. You're correct. I think that have who right now would you project to be their leading scorer? David Jones, Jordan Brown. If you bring DeAndre Williams into the mix, I mean DeAndre. No, I, I'm just saying if you bring DeAndre yeah. Williams into the mix, which they probably are, according to pretty much everybody, that is immediately one of the best players in the country that you're adding back probably the favorite for player of the year in the American. And you look at a guy that you can confidently slot in as the leading scorer on not just a tournament team, but a top 15 to 20 team in college basketball. Yeah. And the fact that in the American conference, the fact that you can bring him back and pretty much have to make no lineup adjustments to like fit him around the team you already have is big too. Like you can play him and Jordan Brown together. Because of Williams' ability to plan a perimeter. And Memphis today also added Jaquan Walton, who is now at his third who is now at his fourth program in five months. I saw him play at Wichita last year. I am just he got thrown out of the barrel by Alabama. Alabama said, no, it's not worth the PR to have this guy on our roster. How how does that happen? How bad does it have to be for that to happen? And then UCF, a literal degree farm for, they, they call it Disney Community College. That's what they call it. They threw him out too. Either that or Memphis just paid more. Yeah, that, I, I mean, that's certainly Memphis. a possibility. I don't really see why Memphis needs him. Get get another shoot no, out there. I, He's in size. I, I agree with that. Not a bad addition, but the oh. other big news in the transfer portal recently was Chris Ledlam committing to St. John's. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll, t- I'll speak on this because this was a guy I watched a ton of because he committed to Tennessee. But I thought Chris Ledlam was a pretty good fit at Tennessee. Like, he wasn't quite the skill set, the skills or the size of Grant Williams, but he was more more or less a mini version of him. And obviously, we know Chris uh, Rick Barnes has done well with those types of players. The guy defends really hard. He can defend multiple positions. And even in a high major league, I'm willing to bet in a mild offensive usage situation, he can power through guys in the post and score a little bit. At Tennessee, I just don't think he was going to get quite the opportunity that he wanted. Obviously, kid's good enough to play high major basketball. He showed that last year. But I didn't have him in Tennessee's projected starting lineup. And, you know, Tennessee had a scholarship problem as it is. They had to get – guys had to leave. Guys had to go to the draft. They were still kind of figuring the whole roster out. And what I'm guessing probably happened is Ledlam 
saw Josiah Jordan James come back and realized probably something along the lines of, I'm not going to start here. I'm not going to have as big of a role as I thought when I first committed here. And then he reopens his recruitment and commits to St. John's. Yeah. And I think it's a great addition to St. John's because their weakest point in their starting lineup, if you had it listed out, was Glenn Taylor at the four. And I think Glenn Taylor is a solid piece. But Chris Ledlam is immediately a major upgrade from that. And, I mean, a lineup of Jenkins, Dingle, R.J. Luis, um, Ledlam, and Joel Soriano. I mean, that's a top 25 lock. Oh, you think lock? What? You think lock? It is a borderline top 20 team. Okay, I wouldn't say especially lock, but... given who their coach is. Yeah, no, I that, I think it's definitely a fair argument. I obviously have some time to change that because I'm we're not getting close to St. John's until near October. It's almost October. twelve weeks away, right? So I have time to move that around, but right now I have them as a borderline top twenty-five team. Can't think of any other major transfer news that just went down within the last within between now and our last show. I mean, like not really transfer news, but like Jose going back. Yeah, um, I don't really think it makes that much of a difference. We're being honest here. I they don't. Need, they need. They needed depth. They just needed dudes. Mm-hmm. Like Josh Eilert and Jose, Jose can play. Yeah, Jose can play. Quinn, I'm not too sure how he fits in a high major setting. I mean, they're they're going to be a little bit small. Bembry's probably going to play the four. I I still think Jesse is a good is a good fit there as the five man. But honestly, you can throw like, fit you can throw fit out the window at this point. Their point guard's Kirk Creasa. I just think that bringing in Quinn maybe a little bigger than some expected, just because like they needed a four. They need a backup four because um, they needed a true four on the roster because Bembry mm-hmm. was their own was kind of slotted to play and that. Bembry, and Bembry isn't really a true four. He's more of a two three. Right. Yeah. So they were they were going to be really small, which that's why that's not necessarily why really small size wise, but really small positionally. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, the positive is you don't have to start a six six kid at the four anymore. I mean, he probably could still start Bembry at the four. I mean, I don't think Quinn. I mean, we'll, we'll see how. I, I mean, I, 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 if Quinn Slazinski plays twenty plus minutes a game, I mean, we saw what he is at a high major level. It, it's bad. Mm-hmm. Like he was bad at Louisville. Yeah, I mean, guys can develop, but we'll see. That's true. I mean, I I don't think he's a high major starting caliber player. I mean, as as much as well, I think you don't you don't think he's a high major starting caliber player on a team that's good. I mean, I don't. I mean, West Virginia is like what the sixtieth best team in the country. I'm a little higher than that. Like, I, I don't. I don't think he should start there. Anyway, let's get into the near misses in the top one hundred. Okay. You want me to go first? Yeah. Give me one team that's a near miss for you. Okay. Um, I talked about this team with you a lot ultimately decided to go the other way on putting them in my top 100 but i think northern iowa could could be good i think no i think northern iowa could have a good year in the missouri valley yeah we've discussed northern iowa a little bit and i know we both think that bowen Bourne is one of the best players in mid-major basketball <laughs> but his supporting cast is simply not 
strong enough. And yeah, I, I mean, they're not even Anderson, near miss for me. I didn't really consider them at all. Yeah, outside of Titan Anderson, who I was pretty impressed with at the Missouri Valley Tournament la- last year, I mean, they lack size in some some areas, which like is fine. Like you can win games in the Missouri Valley with, without too much size, but like Titan Anderson, Trey Campbell, Nate Heiss, Michael Duax, this is not your Indiana State Bradley and definitely not Drake supporting cast. Yeah, no, this is not a team on the same level as Indiana State or Bradley. I'd say they're they're probably in that tier with Belmont in tier three of the um tier three of the league. I mean Belmont's good. Northern Iowa's gonna be good. They're not gonna be great. It's just mm-hmm. the way it is. I don't think I mean I think Ben Jacobson is one of the best coaches in mid major basketball and he has been for a long time. Yeah. But I don't see this group of guys being a top 100 group. And I, again, I, I didn't consider them. You had them in there at one point, right? Yes, I did. And ultimately did enough research on other teams that decided it felt I decided to remove them. One team that I just pulled out the other day from my top 100 was Georgia. Andrew, what do you think about Georgia? Um, You know... I'm I I I'm a fan of Mike White. You know, didn't really work out of Florida, but I think in a more uh, less pressured setting, he can you know continue to build off of what was kind of looking like promising squad last year. But um, you know, I I haven't really looked into them this much this year, honestly. Yeah, I but, mean, um, I'm I'm obviously not as big of a fan of Mike White, um, uh, but there's no doubt that he did a good job in the transfer portal. Yeah. Um, he brought in a lot of guys. One guy to look out for um, that I didn't mention a lot about is RJ Sunahara, who was the Division II National Player of the Year at Nova Southeastern. Yeah. Um, but Noah Thomason and Justin Hill is a backcourt that I don't really know how the dynamic is going to work. Then you add in RJ Melendez, who I just kind of think flat out stinks. <laughs> I had hopes, man. I had hopes. Didn't you say he was going to be one of the bigger breakouts in the country? Dude, I wasn't the only one. I mean, it was you and Illinois fans. Dude, no. Ant Wright thought he was an NBA player. Ant Ant Wright thinks anybody that steps in the Big Ten is an NBA player. Ant's Ant's great. Yeah, he's great. He's great. But he will slander any non-Big Ten player to prop up a Big Ten player. No, but I mean, so Georgia is in my top 100. Um actually fairly easily um and so this is a team that you and i'll disagree on sam but i i think efficiency wise they probably will be in the top 100 like obviously efficiency schedule wise like they will be a top 100 ken palm team at the end of the year roster wise this is going to be a bottom half of the sec team i like noah um i i, I actually told, told you last year like I watched Niagara play one time, and I'm like, yeah, no, I'm, this kid Noah Thomas is good. And, like, you, you know I don't watch that much Mac basketball. Yeah, no, he's good. Um, Noah, well, we're going to try to get both Noah and Walt Clayton on for the SEC preview. Um, whenever we do that, that's mm-hmm. going to – that it would be awesome. Um, I also think Jalen Deloach was a really good pickup. Mm-hmm. I loved him at VCU. Th- thought he was one of their um, grit guys, the hard guy, the, the guys that do all the difficult things. One of the guys that made VCU VCU. 
Um, and honestly, and that's obviously a totally the VCU 180 with Ryan Odom. But I still think that's a good move, and I, I think they're going to be really good. Russell Chua is a fit that I'm not too sure about. Um, Mike White did a lot, brought in a lot of guys. Yeah, I mean, he's trying. It's a jigsaw puzzle that I think one year it could work out and they could start something, they could get something going. Like, I know that Mike White is respected by a lot of people. I just, I wrote an article last year grading all the SEC coaching players because there were six got six new SEC coaches, or I should say six coaches that changed schools within the SEC because Mike White obviously went from Florida to Georgia. Mike White was my lowest graded of the six. I just, I don't think he's a bad coach. I just don't think he's an SEC caliber coach. Yeah, I think I'm with you there. Give me another team that missed your top 100. So this was a team you actually put on my radar um, a couple weeks ago when we were finalizing our top 100s. Uh, Eastern Kentucky out of the Atlantic Sun. It's a team that just missed for me. They're not enormous. They have a lot of good guard play. Some veteran guys, they'll start, I think, four seniors and a sophomore. Yeah, they maybe. they return pretty much their entire team from last year. And it was not a bad team. It was like a top 150 Ken Palm team. Um, Devante. three games. What'd you say? They won 23 games. Yeah, I mean, Devante Blanton is their best player. He is a 37% three-point shooter who averages 20, and who averages, not 20, 17 and 6. Mm-hmm. Michael Moreno is also pretty good. Isaiah Cozart is a, is a returning center that I like. Leland Walker is a point guard that can that's a good player. Yeah. And now and now Liberty's out of the A Sun. So. Yeah, and I think Eastern Kentucky is the favorite in the A Sun. AW Hamilton is um the coach there, and that's a name that you'll be hearing a lot. I think Eastern Kentucky is a program on the rise, and in the era of transfer portals, returning 12 players to a mid-major is absolutely one of the most impressive things anybody can do it's a really hard job to the really hard task i should say to return that many kids when these mid-major kids even like they don't necessarily even have to go mid-major major to high major they could go mid-major to better mid-major i mean and this is not like this is not even like a the the a sun is like what the 15th 16th 17th best league in the country Oh, it's that. Yeah, I mean, losing Liberty and Kennesaw State next year, it's probably closer to twenty. Yeah, I mean, last year it was last year it was exactly at eighteen. Yeah. All right. Um, a team that just missed my top one hundred is Milwaukee. Um, Bart Lundy came in from Queens University, the D two program that yeah. just went to D one. And they won 23 games last year in his first season. They play fast. They're pretty good. They bring back BJ Freeman and Kentrell Pullian. They bring in transfers Faison Fields and Langston Wilson from the University of Washington. I think it's a good group that they have um, up in the, I don't know, what do they call Milwaukee? The Cheese City? The Beer City? Cheese and Beer City. 
one of the two. Go for it. You'll be you're gonna be there next week. You should probably you're gonna be there next week. I am aware of that. <laughs> but you should probably figure this out. They're the not Culver gonna like city? you. There. I don't know. This the city that Giannis built. The city that Omax built. <laughs> no, 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 no. The city that Wojo built. Yes, there you go. <laughs> the Fiserv Forum, the house that Wojo built. <laughs> okay, we need to go move on. I'm going to be using that. But yeah, no, I actually was going to comment real quick. No, I don't have much on Milwaukee, but I did look into them a little bit. 207 projected on Torvik seems really low. Yeah, not just them, but Youngstown State and Wright State. Wright State brings back mm-hmm. Tanner Holden. Yes. They got a Marfo there. Um, and uh, Ziggy Reed from Merrimack is a good pickup at Youngstown State. Yes. All right. Um, okay. So, team that just missed for me. Maybe a little controversial, but there's no doubt this team got better. Question is how much better because they were absolutely dreadful last year. Oh, is this Louisville? Louisville. Yeah, they didn't make mine either. I was like, they needed Sky Clark. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, and like, Sky Clark needs them. I think that like LLS was obviously their most important best player by far last year like regardless of how inefficient he was i, I mean, think, remember like, i kept putting him in acc player of the year conversations at times just kind of to to mess with you i think trey white will be their best player and i think trey white is a good piece could be all acc and like i just think they're more like they're somewhat more balanced this year. Like they, they actually have guards on the roster, right? Like last year was LLS was their only guard. Like they did not have enough guys to play like five on five in practice, but you know, sometimes this is how it has to work. And I feel like you see it more often in football than you do in basketball, but sometimes you have to completely tear it down to rebuild and get good again. And I'm not saying that Louisville is going to be good. I'm not like I think that there's a chance that they finish like eighth, ninth in the ACC. I would be surprised if they finished above tenth, but crazier things have happened. I think they're better than Notre Dame. I think Everybody's they're better, better than Notre Dame. I think they're better than BC. But like, yeah, that's probably we'll, it. we'll see. B- BC might have an all ACC kid for sure. So yeah, Quentin Post's good, but. Everyone else blows. Yeah. Like, can, can you name a single other player on that team that's any good? Is uh, DeMar Langford still nope, there? he's not oh, there. That's any, that's any good. Okay. Um, that's well, and, and also, DeMar Langford transferred out and has not found a home yet, if you want to know what coaches think of him. um, What's it called? Jaden Zachary. Is he, is he still there? I think so. He was okay last year. Let me, let me check. Average double figure. Yeah, he's there. Woohoo. Jonathan has done it once again. <laughs> I probably couldn't have done that. Honestly. The only the only reason I know that is because I have a friend that goes to BC and I occasionally talk BC hoops with him. 
Yeah, so. BC is going to be really bad. Um, they did not just miss my top 100. In fact, they're in my top no, 10. They did not come close to me. In fact, they're in my top 10 biggest dumpster fires in the country. <laughs> um, I think we can move on. Yeah, but let's... Let's talk about something interesting. Let's talk about some coaches under pressure this year. We've all made top five lists of the coaches under the most pressure to deliver. Mm-hmm. Andrew, would you like to start us off with your number five? Yeah. All right. Well, uh, this might come off as a hot take because he's only in his third year, but um, Tommy Lloyd. And, you know, it's not from a standpoint that, oh, he's built, built, built a bad program or anything. I actually like – I love the team this year. It's the third straight year with a really good roster, but – I mean, if you look back in the last two tournaments, they've had extremely disappointing losses where, you know, it's just kind of dudded out. I mean, granted, the Princeton game was just, you know, an absolute dumpster fire of a basketball game. But the Houston, like, they, they look completely lost against Houston 2021 or 2022. And, you know, they're going to be a great team, and I'm sure there's there's no pressure on his regular season success. But, you know, I, were, I really want to see him make a march run, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I actually will start here because um, I actually considered Tommy Lloyd. I didn't, but I like that thought. Yeah, I actually think that's a really good thought process. The last two tournament games that they lost, those are the first two years. Just it's brutally kind of outcoached. It's oh, yeah, yeah, outcoached and left a really sour taste in some peop- people's mouths. Regardless of the year they have, because he's obviously won a conference title of some sort in both years, he's been at Arizona. They can't go out in the same way in, in yeah. the tournament. Like it, it can't, like it can't leave leave people feeling like, oh, we were out toughed, we were out coached, we were out efforted today. That's not a word, but go. With All it. right, so Jonathan, who do you have as the number five coach under the most pressure? Rodney Terry. Okay, that's a good one. Um, I, like that I one. didn't have I didn't have him on my list because it's year one. Yeah, like yeah, first full year. I just think I do have a year one coach though on this list. Listen, I think that like Ronnie Terry talked a lot about how, like how critical he was personally to help building last year's team that went to the lead eight. And obviously they were still very good after Chris Beard was fired, but I, I think he's just put himself in a position where not backing up his words and having a bad year wouldn't would raise a lot of doubt among some people. All right. At number five, I have a first year coach. I have Rick Pitino. I thought about him. I think Rick Pitino talks a huge game. Yeah. He puts the pressure on himself. It's nobody else. Rick Pitino, the way he's talked this off season he would have you thinking St. John's is the Duke and Kentucky of the world. And you got to back that shit up. Like you got to put your money where your mouth is, make the tournament. And honestly, if you don't win a tournament game, you're, you're not living up to your own expectations that you told your fan base that you had. Yeah. And like in his defense, their expectations should be reasonably high, but you're, you're right. The way I Rick mean, my list is chock full of teams with high expectations. I mean, I have three, 
I have three top 25 coaches, top, top three teams in my top 25, including two in my top 10 with coaches on this list. Mm-hmm. Andrew, who do you have at number four? Number four. All right. And this one might just because, um, you know, he coaches basically my hometown, but um, Chris Holtman at Ohio State. Love it. Yeah. I mean, it's just kind of been repeated disappointments ever since the Oral Roberts loss. And, you know, they're not they're not by far, you know, this top tier team with high expectations. But you would you would like to see him, you know, put it put together a good coaching job. You know, I like I like Ohio State's roster this year. I think there's a couple of guys who, you know, broke out towards the end of last year and can continue that momentum on. So I'd I'd really like to see him, you know, do a good job because, you know, even though it's not Ohio State football, there's still standards. So he's not meeting them. So. That's why. I put yeah, I agree that he's not meeting the standards of an Ohio State basketball coach. I mean, who were the last guys to come through there? I mean, it's Thad Mata. It's it's Thad Mata. Yeah, I mean, guy went to multiple Final Fours. I mean, I didn't put him on here. I didn't put Greg Gard on there. I didn't put Brad Underwood on there. Mike Woodson. Like I kind of think of all those guys in the same. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in again, the same light. Because, I don't um, really think very highly of of any of them, really. Um, but I totally like the thought process there. Jonathan, who do you have at number four? At number four, I have Hubert Davis of North he is, Carolina. He will be on my list as well. Let's discuss. So, I mean, it's self-explanatory. You go from number one to missing the tournament. Listen, I like the roster he's put together. It might work weird. It, it like I think they have a chance to be really good. I think it could completely fall off a cliff. It's but. the first time in like five years, maybe since Cole Anthony, that North Carolina has a legitimate guy that you trust to make plays for others as the point guard. Yeah. And Cole Anthony, like that was, team was terrible. That, that team was, was yeah. that team was, was terrible. That but, team was awful. But he was the last true like playmaker that they had. And he like, was making, that when they were he was making the, plays for a guy that like now plays in the Mac or did play in the Mac. <laughs> did play in the Mac. <laughs> and was like the third best player on his team in the Mac. <laughs> okay. And, <laughs> yeah, but and he was a and he was like a fifth year senior when he was in the Mac. And he was a freshman <laughs> with Cole Anthony. But, um, anyway, um Andrew Playtech. I agree with the Hubert Davis evaluation. I actually have him on the list as well. Elliot Cadeau is gonna be a huge boon to this team. They bring in Jalen Withers for no reason, really. <laughs> Cormac Ryan has to be good. Yeah, um, I mean, he'll hit shots. Harrison Ingram, they bring him in. And look, you got two guys, two guys in this starting lineup that were key contributors to a team that made the national championship game. Like 14 months, like 13, 14, 17 months ago. Like, they have four guys that can potentially handle the ball. I'm just really interested to see how they make it work, if they make it work. And I think, I mean, I have them in, like, my top 35. I think they're going to be good. But put up a shot. Like, you're North Carolina. Yeah. Like, this is this is not – this this isn't – like, the expectations here we – We were talking about standards. Like, this is a program with some of the highest standards in the country. This is North Carolina. You are you the highest win. standards – all right, at number four, I have Kyle Neptune. He's on my list, too. Yeah, this is a guy who I will talk a big game about. 
I am a huge Kyle Neptune fan, and I've made it and I've made it known. But I will concede that last year was disappointing for Villanova, regardless of injuries. I mm. thought Neptune did a great job, regardless. I I thought that his game plans were sound, and I thought that once they once that Justin Moore got back and Cam Whitmore was fully healthy, I thought it was good. Yeah. But the they didn't win enough games. There's no doubt, and they need to win games this year. They have a top ten team in the country. They need to play like it. Yeah, I I believe they will win games as well. But this is like same thing with North Carolina. This is Villanova. Like you have to win. All right, Andrew, who do you have at number three? Number three, I have a fellow Big East coach. I mean, I don't know if this would be a hot take to you guys, but I have Shaka Smart, who you know. It just started his um, era at Marquette. And, you know, after last season, you kind of want to think to yourself, did they already peak? I mean, they double-dipped the Big uh, Big East. And then that just disappointing loss to Michigan State in the second round. You could say that was a bad draw, but, I mean, you, you really would like to get to a Sweet 16 with one of the best teams you've probably had. You know, I mean, a lot of the pressure that I'm kind of thinking of here is, you know, did he, did he already peak? Is, did he do, you know, hit his ceiling at Marquette? Mm-hmm. It's they do wow. Have, we are we are asking the Marquette. We are asking the has Shaka Smart peaked question in July. Usually we wait until January for that question. We have we're asking the question. He hasn't made a second weekend in like ten years. Has he made one? Has he made one since he went to the final? He hasn't no. made one since his only to tournament final. win since he took the job at Texas is against Vermont. <laughs> Oh goodness! But yeah, no, I think that is definitely fair because, like, the question has to be asked: like, who is under the most pressure in the in one specific part of the season that may or may not be the most important part of the season? Shaka, putting it bluntly, has not delivered in March, and because of that, no matter what Marquette does in the regular season, I think he's going to be under scrutiny because of that. All right, Jonathan, who do you have at number three? So three was Kyle Neptune for me, so I'll move to number two. And no, 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 no. What? We'll go. We'll we'll keep going like this. Oh my god! And three for me was Hubert Davis. Andrew, who's number two? Number two, Matt Painter. Ah, that's a good. That's a really Love good one. Um, that might have been the worst loss I've ever seen in my time watching sports. Period. Um, yeah, and I mean the questions came like, is this system just kind of, you know. Only built to play in the my big question. Pin. That's my question. I, I've trademarked that question. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> what, what confuses me about Matt Painter is every, like, if, if you tell me, if you survey big time coaches and ask them, like, who in the conference is, like, the toughest team to prepare for, the toughest two teams to prepare for, in the top two is, like, going to be Purdue for probably almost every coach. Yeah. But, like, when they get to the tournament recently, like, they've been scouted pretty well. So, I think maybe it's just an indictment on the the Big Ten coaches that, like, they can't figure it out. Because, like, they Matt Painter does run really good stuff. They have yeah. so many sets to, that are so tough to prepare for. And they got Edie the ball early in the year so many in so many interesting and different ways that it was just impossible to guard. But... Yeah. The further they got into the season, just the worse they looked. 
And it like, was even what I big, think. Happens, even in the Big Ten tournament, they didn't look impressive. What I think mm-hmm. happens is coaches in the Big Ten have a lot to lose in every single game. Yeah. FDU, St. Peter's, North Texas. These teams have absolutely nothing to lose when they go That's against money. Purdue. So they can say, "All right, let's throw out this creative defensive game plan to try to stunt them. If it doesn't work." It doesn't work. If it works, we look like geniuses. Yeah. Three years in a row now, the risky strategy has worked. I think Big Ten coaches need to start acknowledging that playing it safe doesn't work against a guy who's seven foot four. You have no. to front and back. You have to let someone else be you. Yep, exactly. All right. Um, I also have Matt Painter at number two. Jonathan, who do you have at number two? Number two for me. Turn your volume up. Me? Yeah, I can't hear you. I don't know what to do, dude. Like, I how do I turn my volume up? I'll you are, you just suddenly went lower. Is there something covering your mic? I don't think so. Can you hear me now? It's better, yeah. Okay, I'm going to elevate my computer on something, um, and talk at the same time. So, my number two is. Porter Moser, because like oh, okay. so number He's two number and number one, on one is where I like decided I need to put guys that like actually have a chance to be fired if they don't win this year. And as much as I like Porter Moser, I think I have to acknowledge he could fully be fired this year if he doesn't make the NCAA tournament. Yeah, because not only would it be three years in a row of missing the NCAA tournament, but you're moving to a new conference and. You can start fresh. <laughs> I think he's a good coach, and I think that he would get snapped up immediately by somebody, whether it's West Virginia or somebody else. I think Porter Moser would be hired almost immediately. But put up or shut up. You've missed the tournament back-to-back years at Oklahoma in the Big Club. You got to make the goddamn tournament. Yeah, they would – like – if Elijah Harkless doesn't get hurt in 2021, are we having this conversation? You mention this every single time. I know. I just think it's an interesting point. because It is an interesting point. Like, But it happened. He got hurt. They missed the tournament. I know. I'm and then they backed like... it up by missing the tournament again. And they yeah. don't have a great team this year. No, they don't. They're going to be a lower to middle of the pack team. They are going to be a bubble team once again. Andrew, who is your number one coach under the most pressure? Well, you guys are talking about pressure getting fired. I've kind of went to the other side of the spectrum for that and pressure to win. And that's Rick Barnes at Tennessee. And, you know, they've, they've kind of built this reputation where they kind of, you know, 2019, they had a really good squad lost to probably what was an inferior Purdue squad last year, got knocked around by FAU. Once FAU kind of got their stuff sorted in that game, they bullied them. So, you know, and this is going to be one of his better teams. So he really needs to, you know, put up a good season, good tournament run. He needs, he needs to win. Yep. I agree with that. And Jonathan, you can probably speak deeper. Yeah. I thought this past year was actually Rick's best job coaching i would agree I think, and like sam you and i've talked about this so many times because i talk so much tennessee to you but they were number one in ken palm 
like late in January after they beat Texas. They actually jumped Houston, and then February turned the calendar month. The calendar turned a month, and all of a sudden everyone was hurt. Josiah Jordan James missed missed games. Obviously, Ziegler missed the end of the year. He missed the SEC and NCAA tournament. Vescovy even missed games at the start of the year. They just had so many injuries that piled up. And, yeah, like, they they probably could have won some games at the end of the year that they lost. And I'm going to attribute that to some three-point defense variance that we knew was coming. Yeah. But – I actually think that Rick did a pretty good job last year getting that team to a Sweet 16 with all they had gone through in the final two months. All right, let's move on. And I think we're going to have similar lists here, Jonathan. But let's talk about mid-major darlings. Andrew, Wait, I didn't do my number one. Oh, who's your number one? Juwan Howard. Oh. Like. Go to Juwan. Listen, Michigan alum at his own school. Missed the tournament last year. I'm not year before. I am not sure why I wasn't thinking about him. It, listen, putting it bluntly, if they don't make the tournament, he's gone. Yeah, easily. So. And they're not going to make the tournament, so I don't know why I didn't have him on my list. That All was right. dumb. We can move. We can move on now. I think we're going to have similar lists here, so let's kind of just go through it pretty quickly. Um, Andrew, who's your number five mid-major darling? Um, I'm, I'm not big into mid-majors, so I had to do some, like, scramble research on Torvik, but, um, I got UC Santa Barbara, and obviously Torvik's not high on them, but I love AJ Mitchell. I love him. He's, I love watching yep. him play. They were a near miss in my top 100. Um, Jonathan, who's your number five? UC Santa Barbara's also number five for me. Um, they did make my top, my top 100, so a little higher than Sam, but, AJ Mitchell coming back, obviously huge. Very good guard that gets in the lane with ease. This is going to sound weird. If Zach Clements hadn't decommitted, they would have definitely been in my top 100. I I cannot believe we're talking about Zach Clements Clements. elevating a team. (laughs) In July! Yeah, here we are. No, like, I also think, like, they all ha- could have a couple really high upside players in their front court with yeah. Traore and Ben Schlossberg, who I believe came from Creighton. Yeah. And Schlossberg's also more like a two-three, but they're gonna have to have. Them. Yeah, but they're they're small, so they're might... they're big in the backcourt. They just don't have right. No, court. like they're big in the backcourt, but they don't have a lot of front court players. Yeah, and that's kind of what tipped me away from them in the top one hundred. Yeah, I've cool. Eastern Kentucky is my number five mid major darling. Okay. We, had we, t- we talked about the Andrew, you already. got it number four. Um, number four, I have Louisiana Tech. Ooh. They got Bacho. Oh. They uh, did. They did get Daniel Bacho. We've talked about we've and, been entertained by uh entertained by his game. He's excellent rim protector. What what did I say about Daniel Bacho earlier in the offseason? Oh yes, yes. Oh, yes. You, you do I know what it was. Yes, yes, yes. I said <laughs> he was like the closest thing to Jarris Walker. Which, like, is that not true? But it's also, like, nobody's Jairus Walker. Exactly, like, not yeah, nobody's Jairus Walker. Daniel Abacho could also, like, he could be one of those guys that, like, we look up in January and he's averaging, like, 19 and 10 as, like, the easy front runner for Conference USA Player of the Year. But we could also look up in January and he's averaging, like, four points. Yeah. 
like the variance on him is so vast. All right, what else does Louisiana Tech have? I, they got Tyler Henry from Isaiah Tech. Crawford. Isaiah Crawford. He's back. So I I think that's a team that I might have not considered enough for my top 100. I just kind of came across him on Torvik, and I was like, I got Bob Joe. <laughs> um, Jonathan, who's your number four? Number four for me is Yale. Yep. Yeah. Um, I also have them at number four. Okay. That's tough. I think, and we'll kind of talk about this. We've together. talked about like, Yale before. Huh? We've talked plenty about Yale. Oh, yeah, we have. I think they should be – obviously, it's the Ivy League. There's no easy front runner in, in that league. But I think they should be the favorite in the, the conference, uh, like their guard play. Um, I think they should be pretty good spreading the floor around Besma Bang. And I think that Danny Wolf could actually have a very good year, year for them. I, yeah, I, I mean, Danny Wolf Evan was... Evan that can step out and shoot. I mean, Danny Wolf, who is a friend of a friend of a pro, of the program. <laughs> yeah, he played played AAU with my brother. When he also... Um, he's also apparently, like, one of TJ's friends. Yeah, I mean, there's, like, North, like North Shore connection there. So, like, I get um, it. Anyway, he was, like, fucking Porzingis in the... In the Phoebe U-20s. Yeah. He was like Jesus Christ out there. He can, he can really okay, that that's Okay, that's maybe a little bit on the nose. <laughs> we're, we're talking, we're comparing <laughs> Yale Center to Jesus Christ. <laughs> we're comparing not just Yale Center, Jewish Yale Center that played for Israel. Oh my God. But he he looked like Jesus Christ out there in, in the U-20s. He was really good. Yeah. All right. Can we move? Um, Andrew, who do you have at number three? Um, I have notes on um every team on here, but my number three, which was Eastern Kentucky. Obviously, okay. you guys spoken. We to already it. discussed them. Yeah, but yeah. who do you have at number three, Jonathan? Number three, I have Indiana State. Okay, that's a good pick. Let's talk Indiana State. Let's talk some six. Yeah, I'm very high on Indiana State this year. They added Isaiah Swope, who was the Player of the Year in the Ohio Valley at Southern Indiana. Saw him play live, live last year when they came to Mizzou. Actually, the first game, night of the year, I uh, was pretty impressed with um, him. He was hitting a bunch of tough shots, just very good at creating his own shots in general. Uh, they added a couple other transfers too. Aaron Gray um, is, is a name that Missouri Valley fans are going to know. Uh, came over from Niagara, so you've seen him play. So, yep, guy that can shoot, good athlete, good size. Mm-hmm. I like him. And uh, Robbie Avila, obviously, is a big is yeah. a big man. I think he should have a big year. Uh, was a freshman la- last year playing on a another pretty good Indiana State team. That was a tough out in the Valley night in and night mm-hmm. out. And held his own, you know. And the other thing is, I think Indiana State's as well coached as anyone in that league. All right. Um, at number three, I have the College of Charleston, who I know that you have waged a war against. Where's that leave studio button? <laughs> um, I like <laughs> no, Charleston. No, 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 no. You're right. Lot. You're right about them. I think Ante Brozovic is the front runner for CAA Player of the Year. Um, they'll play fast. He'll average big numbers. Um, mm-hmm. Ben Burnham's back. Rain Smith's back. CJ Fulton is a guy from Lafayette that you should know the name of. Um, 
And then uh, Frankie Policelli, um coming in from Stony Brook. He was um, all league. And Pat Kelsey is the best coach in that conference by a good margin. He's probably a top 40, 50 yeah, coach in the country. Far. He's probably at a high major. Like if Holtman's gone, he's probably the next man up at Ohio State. Yeah, um, and I think that would be a really good hire. I mean, he's a Cincinnati guy. Yeah, it would make sense. He's obsessed with the Reds. Uh, what is what's his dog's name? Votto. Is it? I don't know. I just said the first Reds thing that came to my mind. I'm pretty sure it's not Ellie. <laughs> hmm. I'm struggling. I, I know that he has a dog, and I forget his name. Oh my god, what's his dog's name? This is gonna this is kicking my ass right now. Do you want me to go to the next one while you're talking about yes. Pat Kelsey's dog? Okay. Is Andrew next or am I? Andrew's next. I think I'm next. So we're at number oh. two now? The number mm-hmm. two team that probably should have won a tournament game last year, uh Drake. Yeah, they definitely should have. They should have won that game. And then Miami made the final four because yeah. I'm I guessing probably. Sam and I both have Drake at number one. Um, I have Drake at number two. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, Drake's a team that reloaded this year. They lost a lot of veteran players, Roman Penn, Darnell Brody, just to na- name a couple important guys. But Transfer Portal was good to them. Went out and added Aiton Wright from Cal State Northridge. Pretty inefficient numbers last year. Um, but he's playing on a really bad team and still put up 16 a game. And then Ethan Roberts is a guy I like, uh, can really shoot, guy that played in the Patriot League at Army. I think he'll be a good floor spacer for them. And Drake always has guys that can hit shots. And then Connor Enright, really scrappy point guard that'll defend really hard. I wouldn't be surprised if he was the defensive player of the year in the conference. And he played really well last year in the Missouri Valley Tournament when I saw him. Yeah. Um, who do you have at number two, Jonathan? You probably have my number one. Yeah, Grand Canyon. Yep. Yeah, I'll talk. It's, it's Grand a team that you put on my ra- radar. Uh, Javon Blackshear, Ray Harrison, Josh Baker, Sidney Curry is going to be just unbelievable in that league. Yeah, I mean, Sidney Curry is a player of the they, – they have the two best players in the WAC, Sidney Curry and Sean Harrison. Um, we talked about Ray Harrison on the Mid-Major Madness podcast on, – on the Mid-Major podcast with Nick last december like mm-hmm. we spoke a lot about how good ray harrison was um so don't say we didn't warn you when he leads grand candy to a tournament win this year all right Calling do we have anyone right now because drake was my number one no we are we are done there all right let this is this is my Andrew, favorite part go over your number one uh, grand grand Canyon. Canyon. okay gotcha this is my favorite part because I think we're going to have a bunch of different answers. Yeah, no, there's so many good options. I think I th- I think you're going to I think you're going to have I think we're all going to have the same number 1. I have three honorable mentions by the way. If you but I can skip over them if you want. I want to hear them. Okay, I'll just go through them quick. Uh Tremont Mark to Arkansas. Okay. Nelly Junior Joseph at New Mexico. Okay. In the Morris Udeze role. Um, <laughs> and uh Olivier Kamwa at Michigan. All right, Andrew, who is your number five best transfer fit? 
Well, I didn't exactly go with the best. I kind of just went with the favorites. And obviously, I kind of I went with a bunch of high to mid-profile guards. But my number five is well, – he's not a guard, but Tyler Burton to Villanova. I think okay. I think that was a really good ad for them. You know, I could see you know them building this off team. That was the move that kind of opened my eyes. I really love that. Really love that fit. Jonathan, what do you think about that? Uh you know, I thought Villanova was really good before they added Tyler Burton. Yeah, and you know, the guy was a mid-major uh, player of the year caliber. If you even consider the A10 a mid-major league, it's a high mid-major. Yeah, I would agree with that as well. But, I mean, if Burton leads this team in scoring, I wouldn't be all that surprised. I think he's... Put in your prediction right now, by the way. Who leads Villanova in scoring? Who leads them in scoring? Yep. I know who I'm going with. I mean... I'm going with Tyler Burton. I was going to say TJ Bamba. Like, I think Justin Moore would be... Like your casual Justin, Justin Moore is going to average the like the quietest fourteen points in the country, right? But like, with how good of a playmaker Mark Armstrong is going to be for them, I think Bamba with his athleticism and bounce could really benefit from that. All right, Jonathan, who do you have at number five? This is an interesting one. The only big I put on here, Ernest Uda at TCU. Okay, I don't I, have. I don't. Think I, I considered him. I was really, really considering. Yeah, him. Guy I don't have any run last year, Kansas. Um, you know, he's a big, physical center, that, you know, he just he'll bully people, and you saw what Eddie Lampkin did for a couple years at T- TCU. I think with the same roster construction, you obviously go Nelson for Miles there at the point guard spot, but. I think Ernest Uda could play the Eddie Lampkin role pretty much the exact same way Eddie did. All right. My number five is Cam Spencer at UConn. Hmm. I think this is a guy that comes to a team that was one of the best shooting teams in the country last year, lost the best shooter in the country, as well as a couple other key pieces, and says, all right, here. Here's a 43% three-point shooter on volume. That can also be a primary ball handler if you need him to. Yeah. This is a perfect fit for Dan Hurley. He's a good mover on and off the ball. He UConn's big issue last year at times was that they didn't have great ball handling. UConn now has three guys that can be ball handlers in Tristan Newton, Stefan Castle, and Cam Spencer, and they'll share the court. Yeah. Andrew, who's number four? Number four, Tyler Perry. Okay, we'll get. I I have Tyler Perry on my list as well. Oh yeah, I love I love his game. I I've been in love since you know I really became familiar with uh, North Texas last year when you know I could tell they were going to be a really good mid major squad and that team was like their offense. You know they moved really slow, but despite that, he was putting up numbers. Jonathan, who do you have at number four? Number four for me is. Hunter Salas. Yes! Yes! I also have him at number four. Listen, like, there's no, like, scheme or anything that, like, made me like Hunter Salas here. Simply that Steve, what Steve Forbes has done with transfer guards over the last couple years. And yes. Tyree like, Appleby. Listen, if, if you watched Appleby last year, if you watched Alondis Williams, who was the ACC Player of the Year, 
the year before, you understand. And you'll say Paolo deserved it because um, I know. He, I actually think I, Baycott probably deserved it. Because every um, time we talk about this, you say you say how Paolo was robbed. I would have been fine with Paolo or Baycott winning it. I didn't think Alonda should have, but he was still very, very good. And I honestly think that Hunter Salas is probably like he's definitely the most athletic of the, those three. Probably the most talented of those three as well. In terms of a high school recruit, sure. But, I mean, I think that's... But, like, his tools, like, he has more more tools than those other two did. Yeah. All right. I have under Salas at number four as well. Andrew, who do you have at number three? Uh, Ray J. Dennis. I considered him very uh, heavily. Talk I'm about exci- Ray J. Dennis. I'm really excited Andrew. to see how he does in the Scott Drew system, you know. He, he could be – he's an explosive scorer and, a, you know, one of the best guard developers in the entire country. He could – you know, he could be a Big 12 player of the year candidate. Probably maybe a little overzealous there, but I, I really could see a big season from him if all goes right. Jonathan, who do you have at number three? I have Matthew Cleveland at number Ooh, three. Ooh, I thought you'd have him higher. He's on my list as well. Okay, so, yeah, I know you and I have talked about this, but that dude's going to just explode at Miami. That system is so much better for for him. Like, this is a, like, and they have other guys that are going to score. So, the usage is still a question, but if he's at 22 23% usage rate, he's going to average, like, 17, 18 a game. I mean, he is the Jordan Miller role, but with a little bit more athleticism to his game. Slightly worse shooter, but he'll be a much better defender. Jordan Miller didn't guard. No. He couldn't guard, and Matthew Cleveland's going to guard. Matthew Cleveland can shoot. He can attack. He does all the little things, just like Jordan Miller did. It's the perfect fit. And it's just funny how, like, because remember, he talked shit about FSU last year. About Miami. Or about Miami. Yeah, he did the the, the game winner. Like, Miami fans are going to love him. All right. I am 100% convinced that neither of you have my number three on your list. Mustafa Amsil to New Mexico. Yeah, no chance. Moose. (laughs) I think that Mustafa Amsil is exactly the counter that New Mexico needed in the second half of last season. Because once they got scouted, it was known that they didn't have any options for a strong interior presence that could also score from the outside. Mustafa Amzil is a 50-plus percent career two-point shooter and a 36% three-point shooter. He is physically strong, he is active on the glass, and he provides the perfect counter to when New He's not going to be a player of the year candidate. I, I said when he entered the portal, he would be Horizon League player of the year, or he could be a good piece on like a Big 12 team off the bench. But he comes in and he'll have the same role that he did at Dayton at New Mexico, be the counter. But instead of being a counter for two big men, he's the counter for two guards. Yeah. And I think it fits him better. I think that that Dayton team that too. was a total janky fit for everybody last yeah. year. That team was. All right, Andrew, number two. Number two. Real Steven... quick before you go, Sam, do you remember how much I hated that team last year? Dayton? No, New Mexico. Oh, yes, I do. Yeah, I just, I did a complete 180 on them in this offseason. And, and like, 
Amsel's part of that reason. All right, Andrew. All right, go go ahead, Andrew. Uh, Steven Ashworth to Creighton. I love this fit. Talk about yeah. it. Yeah. He, I mean, you saw what he did at Utah State last year. Just flamethrower. I mean, essentially. Um, and I think, you know, they lost him hard and they will replace him with a guy who probably could provide more on the offensive end. You know, he's not like, you know, just pure score. He's able to share the ball around. I think he'll do great there. I like, I like the system fit a lot like in terms of scheme fit. That's beautiful. I think we're going to have the same number two, Jonathan. Who is it? No, we're not. Oh, we're not? Because your guy at two might be number one for me. Oh, yeah, that, that's a good I'm, I'm pretty confident that you don't have this guy, guy in your top two. All right, who is it? Denver Jones at Auburn. No, but I was considering him. Mm-hmm. I think this is a guy that Auburn has kind of been looking for the last couple of years. Just a guard that can make the tough shots that Bruce Pearl lets his guards typically take but he does it at an efficient level. And now I can't guarantee that going from Florida international to Auburn, the efficiency is going to stay the same. But what I can tell you is that of the last two years, he is by far better than any guard that Auburn has had, at least when it comes to creating and making shots. All right. At number two, I did a two for one, two transfers going to the same program to basically be one-for-one replacements for All-Americans. And both of these guys can be All-Americans themselves. Say it with me. Tyler Perry and Arthur Kaluma are going to Kansas State, and they are the perfect replacements for Keontae Johnson and Marquise Noel. I mean, Tyler Mm -hmm. Perry is a small guard who's a great playmaker, not the playmaker that Noel is, but he's probably a better scorer especially in terms of attacking the basket and absorbing contact. I think Perry is one of the best in the country at doing that. And he's a good shooter too. Arthur Kaluma is the super athlete that he's every bit, the athlete that Keontae Johnson is in every stretch of the imagination. He's a better defender than Keontae Johnson is. He's got more. He's probably got more length to his game. He's probably raw tools wise, better than Keontae Johnson. Now, Keontae's probably a little bit better with the ball in his hands. Although, if you watched that, um, that what was it, Africa Cup that Kaluma did last summer, where he looked like LeBron James. <laughs> Dude, he went for like 37 in the game. And you and I thought, oh my God, they have Creighton as the National Player of the Year. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, uh, Arthur Kaluma is going to be a superstar in the Big 12. Honestly, he might be my pick for Big 12 Player of the Year. Wouldn't blame you for it. Yeah. All right, number one, Andrew, who is it? Ryan Nimhard to Gonzaga. Yeah, like it. I had him originally on my list. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's going to be just like his brother there. I feel like last year their big issue was defense and point guard play. It was just kind of abysmal. It was abysmal early in the season. They kind of had that stretch in the middle of the season where it kind of disappeared just because they were playing WCC. But I feel like that's going to really help and benefit them. He's, he's a really good player. He's going to fill that Gonzaga point guard role almost perfectly, seamlessly. All right, and you probably have Arthur Kaluma, I would assume. No. You don't? No. Who do you have? Come on. You know. 
Okay, come on. <laughs> Dude, hear me out. I had him on my list originally, by the way. Last year, he was in a system, and Andrew will tell you who it is in a second. But last from, year, Andrew, you know who this is, right? Last year, this guy was in a system with essentially no floor spacing. Now he goes to a system that has one of the best floor spacers in the country. It's Caleb Grill going from Iowa State to Mizzou. Uh, I think Dennis Gates. This is, is the number high. one Caleb Grill fan podcast. We're becoming fans of too many interesting people. <laughs> <laughs> this is the number one Tony Patelis fan podcast. All right. And well, I had Matthew Cleveland at number one. Okay. All right. All right. Time to get into the least. Some janky transfer fits. Now, this is a weird one for me because I didn't think of I didn't think of five that I was really comfortable saying, I hate this. I'm just more yeah. thinking of things that I didn't really understand. Yeah. yeah I was like, Start us off. Me? I mean, you've um, been starting us off. I only got four names down, I just realized. So if you, you guys want to do your fifth. And then... No, it's, it's, it's all right. Uh, we'll all right. do our fifth, actually. All, all right. right. My I'll... fourth is... Uh, Keon Minifield to Arkansas. Well, he's redshirting. He is? Yeah. yeah. Well, all right. Well, Who is your number five, Jonathan? Mine was a collect. I had a couple like collective groups on yeah. mine. Right, it wasn't fine. just all individual players. Um, I thought the way Alabama attacked the transfer yep. was really weird. Yeah. I have Grant Nelson on my list here. They, they, they did not get bad players by any means, like at all. Estrada's like, really good. They, they, in fact, got a bunch of very good players. But, like, I don't really consider Grant Nelson a center. And No, the only person that can – nobody considers him a center. Like, he's not a center. He is a power forward with more small forward traits than center traits. He's we, we not have a seen, We have seen Nate Oates' teams be at their best when they're really long in the front court and they have a forward – that can kind of take over a game on both ends. Last obviously year a player of Herb, obviously a player of Herb Jones or Brandon Miller caliber is really hard to acquire, but adding Latrell Wrightsell and Aaron Estrada probably wasn't the best plan for his system. Yeah, I have Grant Nelson at number four on my list. Um, I just think that. Grant Nelson going up against SEC big men is a recipe for disaster. This guy is not a center. He is not physically strong. He is athletic and he has great burst, but he is not physically strong in terms of the way that they'll expect him to guard guys like, um, why was I about to say Oscar Sheboy, but your Oscar Sheboy types in the SEC. Right. Who do you have at number four? Oh, I have Kalal Ware at number five, and we've discussed this at length. <laughs> okay, let's go. It's just the, it, there. It's such You're a right. raw front court. That You're front right. court has no proven talent whatsoever. The number three transfer in the country averaged six points per game in the sixth best conference in the in the seventh best conference in the country. He's not that good. No, he's not. Okay. Um. What What are we on now? Who's going? What number are we on? You say your number four, okay. Jonathan. My number four. I knew I was gonna when 
Andrew said Chris Holtman. I knew I was going to have to get into it later. Jameson Battle to Ohio right. State. Right, Jameson Battle as well. Oh, I forgot weird. about him. I don't know why I didn't put him on. Like, I forget who tweeted this, but, like, <laughs> Ohio State, like, last year was god-awful defensively, and they've been awful defensively. Under really in Chris Holtman's entire te- yeah. tenure since 2020, I would say. was yeah, the last canceled year was the yeah, fall-off. That was the – the year they lost to Oral Roberts was really the fall off. They could not defend last year, and their big transfer addition was like the was the worst defender of the Big Ten. <laughs> I should have had him on the list. All right, Andrew, who is your number three? Well, I have Kalil Ware at number three. Mm. Again, we okay. Jonathan, Sam who do you Grimm's... have at number three? My turn. Yes. Okay. Uh, my number three, another collection. Iowa State's guard additions. Really? Because I like these. So I think they're good as individual players. Like Jackson Pavletsky's good. Kashawn Gilbert's good. I think they have too many guys that like need the ball. I don't think Kashawn Gilbert needs the ball. I, I kind of think he, he's at his best with the ball. Because I mean, like he didn't, he, he's at his best on the defensive end. He didn't have the ball at UNLV. Yeah, but he's a pretty gifted passer. Oh yeah, I mean, you could use that, and I think Pavletsky's a good mover off the ball. I agree. I think you could. I, I think all three of them can coexist, and I like Curtis Jones. I think he's explosive. I think I could be like I could be really wrong if. And I trust Ots here because you know what this means? There will be no more Taman Lipsy. Okay, but here's the thing. I could be Say really your line! Wrong. Say your line! I could be really wrong here if Ots does what I have been saying he should he needs to do. Which Taman Lipsy doesn't come back this season with a 15-foot jumper, it's coaching malpractice. Like in the second half of the season, Iowa State's entire offense was just Taven Lipsy getting a ball screen and not being able to do anything because the other team would just go under it because he couldn't shoot. Did Taven Lipsy, like, Taven Lipsy stinks. <laughs> you, you need to clip that and tag Patelis. <laughs> he just sucks. <laughs> All right, Andrew, who's number two? Number two for me is Jamison Battle. I... Oh, shoot. I didn't say who my number three was. Oh. It's the overcrowding in the Arkansas backcourt. Yeah. Just like, what the fuck's going on here? That, that, that's where my, uh, you know, Minifield pick, obviously. I Even with Minifield red yeah, shirting. Red shirting, like, it's, it's just a whole bunch of. L. Ellis, Khalif Battle, Tremont Mark, and Jeremiah Davenport. <laughs> what are we doing? You know I have no the, idea what that is supposed to be. You, you know the. Uh... That's just a collection of dudes who played in the AAC last year. <laughs> and then you know, Ellis, who basically played in the AAC last year. You know the wanna see me do it again, SpongeBob <laughs> yeah. meme. Yeah. <laughs> like Sam, you I think I texted you last year in like June in the offseason. And at this point, I think I had Arkansas at like three in my top twenty my top hundred. And I think I just texted you. I'm just like Arkansas has the same problem that Texas had last year. Like they just have too many guys. And Lo and behold, Eric Musselman goes out and does the exact same thing. He he was targeting every player in the goddamn transfer portal. Well, there was that guy that was counting it. That was well, what did he end up with? 152? 
oh god, probably more honestly. All right, I'll go. I'll go number two. Uh, LJ Cryer at Houston. Really? You just really? don't think it fits defensively? Good player. Guy does not fit their system at all. Okay. Like That's I don't think. He, yeah. I just kind of think they needed a catalyst offensive guard without Sasser. Like they might, and like the ba- the balance might help them, but it was just weird to me. Like I like we have to realize that they're not going to have this an, an, another top five team just because they had a top five team last year. The, like that was a run that like you don't lose national player of the year guys year in year out and still be top five teams. You're not Kansas, but you bring in LJ Cryer, it raises the floor. You're still a top fifteen team in the country. And like in his defense, like they know he can score in the Big Twelve. Yep. And when you lose a guy like Sasser, you it's not a bad guy to replace him with. All right, my number two is R.J. Melendez at Georgia. It's just a jigsaw piece that makes no sense. Like, why are you adding a player who, like, wherever R.J. Melendez goes, weird fits follow because it's so hard to put the right pieces around him. And Brad Underwood learned that. And I think Mike White's going to learn that. I think... Georgia would be a better team if they didn't bring in RJ Melendez. All right. No, that's, that's nothing against RJ Melendez. I've already, totally fair. I've, I've already put my case against RJ Melendez. <laughs> I just think that it doesn't really make sense to have a guy like that who doesn't really know his role yeah. in the high major setting. I think especially when you're going to have two ball dominant guards. All right. Who is your number one, Andrew? Well, you guys had already mentioned him, but I have a Grant Nelson at number one. Mm-hmm. Cause like when you look at how, what made good or what made Alabama so good last year, it was Brendan Miller. And then that interior defense where, you know, NATO mathematics ball, where he's forcing you to take these inefficient mid-rangers because you just have uh Bediaco and Clowney sitting down low getting ready to swat any layup and when you replace them with a guy who's maybe going to provide the complete polar opposite of that presence you know you can kind of see that I, I just don't like the fit at all it's I think Nelson's a talented player but I don't think he's gonna uh flourish in that NATO system no hate to KJ but Grant Nelson's a KJ merchant if that video wasn't made, he would not be at Alabama. And I firmly believe this. Yeah, I, re- I remember that. And the same thing happened like two months later with Dalton Connect, who I think is good, by the way. And I think is a good fit. At he will, I, I'm okay. pretty sure. Maybe, he... maybe not a good fit, but like. Here's if, the thing. If Rick, Barnes, if Rick Barnes knows what he's doing, it's a good fit. Yeah. So here's the, like, the thing about Dalton Connect, just to. Can you continue with this sidetrack real quick? Is like I know this roster really well for obvious reasons. God, I'm becoming time. less and less confident by the day that Dalton next is going to start. Who do you think should start? Like, could be a couple guys. Jemai Mayshak could start. All right. Anyway, who so. do you have at number one? Caleb Love at Arizona. Okay, talk about it. So. I'm of the belief that 
one of their unheard of like younger European forwards, either Philip or Henry Visar, is going to develop and be a really good player this year. Like sleeper for like like deep sleeper for player of the year in the Pac-12. I agree, but keep going. But the reason that they wouldn't be if those those guys develop how I think they're going to, we know we've seen Caleb Love play three years of college basketball. You cannot tell, look me in the face and honestly tell me he's not going to be a Ben Matherin level usage player. You know my stance. You know like, my stance. And if he is... All the reports, by the way, out of Arizona camp are that he's been extremely coachable. I would hope so. Like, for their sake, I would hope so. But I just... Listen, I I think it is a little concerning that, like, we have to report on the fact that, like, the guy is coachable. Okay. Yeah. I have it number one. And, and like, real, and real quick... If he does stay close to the same usage, whether it's what he was at UNC or a Ben Matherin level usage for the Arizona comparison, what are the odds that he actually like becomes a Ben Matherin level player? Zero. Like literally none. Like maybe like point maybe like the smallest of percentages. Because like he does have that athletic profile. All right, my number one weirdest transfer fit is a guy that honestly would be on this list no matter where he went, and it's Kirk Kreisa. It's just like, this is a guy that I just don't under Like, same with RJ Melendez. I just don't understand his game. Like, what does he try to do out? Like, what is his goal? When, when, you, time. when you put him out there, I, I it's not even that he's the most inefficient like type guy because he's not like that inefficient. I just don't get it. <laughs> Can, oh if anybody could explain to me what Kirk Risa like goal is when he goes out there, like what is his mindset? Like I would pay you a hundred dollars. I defend the guy more than the average college basketball fan or college basketball analyst, I'd say. I think that, like, the majority of the time, honestly, Kirk Kreese is a pretty good passer that makes his teammates better and gets them good shots. But it's always going to be overshadowed by that percentage of the time where he just completely shoots his team out of a game. Like, not just shoots when, his team out of the game. Just when, like, when he just plays, like shits his team out of a game. Yeah. When he plays bad, it is like it is beyond awful. I mean, it, look at look at the uh Princeton game and the Houston. And, there, and there's there's more than just that. Yeah, I mean I just think that we've seen teams gameplay, and especially now that they have Jose coming back. That's two guys that like the ball in their hands and are kind of weird about it. Like, I love Jose, but, like... There's so, there's so many... This is really random. There's so many, like, funny storylines that we're going to come up with in the, in the Big 12 this year. There are so many stories. There, I mean, there, there, Arizona's... Uh, when West Virginia plays TCU. I'm just going to say this. If West Virginia goes to Kansas, like, that, that's must-see TV. 
West. I have a weird <laughs> feeling that West Virginia could pull out a random win against Kansas. Oh, I believe that West Virginia is in the top three of teams most likely to win at Allen Fieldhouse from the Big 12 this season. No doubt. I also, I also think there's a 90% chance they can walk in there and lose by 25. Yes. I mean, but I would not be surprised if they walked in there and Kirk Carissa walked out, like, doing doing the most obnoxious celebration in college basketball history. His annual good performance. Like, what, like what, would, like what would the most – like, okay, here, I'll, I'll put it right out. I'll say I'll set the scene. West Virginia goes in to Allen Fieldhouse. Kirk Creesa has 12 points, seven assists, five rebounds, and two steals on five of nine shooting or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Jesse Edwards scores 17. They they win 63 to 57. What is Kirk? What is the most absurd? And yet, realistic way for Kirk Creesa to celebrate that. I, I he's unpredictable. I don't know what I, I probably I, shouldn't answer. <laughs> I, I'm just trying to think what could it be. No, I think I just like what I'm envisioning is Kirk West Virginia walks in there. Kirk Creesa scores or assists on like their first like 25 points, and at the half, he has like eleven points, four assists, and and West Virginia's up seven at Allen Fieldhouse. Kansas then in the second half to start the second half goes on a nineteen to zero run, <laughs> and we look up at the end of the game and Kirk Kriza has finished the game three for fourteen from the field. <laughs> yep, I can see that happening, and like Hunter Dickinson just totally makes Jesse his bitch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. Oh my god! Like Bill Self just decides, yeah, no more points for you, and Dewan <laughs> Harris just goes into lock-in mode. All right, Kirk Carissa has to be among the most fun players to talk about in college basketball. Yeah, yeah. All right, anything else that we want to add here before we finish? The top one hundred starts on Sunday, right? Saturday. Saturday. I've okay. Excellent. That means I planned out my days correctly. So the top 100 starts on Saturday. Give me one team that you think you're a lot higher on than me. One team that you think you're a lot lower on than me. Don't look at my rankings. I'm not. I'm looking at mine. Okay. Um, and I will and okay. just wait a minute because I will think of teams myself. Okay. Well, one one team, Texas A and M. I'm way higher on. Okay, we know on you then. We we know that. I think Texas A and M is going to be good again. I think you have very and I say that, and I think you have very valid reasons um, for your ranking of them. Yes. So I don't like. I think you could absolutely be right about that. I think I'm higher than you. I can't confirm this, but I'm probably higher than you on florida again yeah i would imagine so i've liked this team i like Todd i Gordon. like them but i imagine you probably have them at least six seven spots higher than me. i really love what they've done um one team that i'm probably another team i'm probably higher on than you is cincinnati um yeah i'm, I'm also just a really big seamus lacocious fan yeah i think that's a good fit there um 
Um, I don't know because I, I, I think I might remember you moving this team down, but I think I'm way lower on Providence than you. Yeah, I moved them down. Okay. Um, I'm probably a lot lower than you on. I, I, I feel like I remember you having Nebraska higher than me. Yeah. No, yeah Cal, Cal. It was Cal. Okay. I also think I have Nebraska higher than you by a good, like, 12, 15 spots. I'm, no, because I moved them up. Um, okay. I'm waiting on the Jalen Tyson waiver situation. Um, okay. Um, I think I'm probably a little – we're probably – Oh, in, Indiana, you're definitely lower than me. I mean, I'm just lower on Indiana than everybody. Indiana will come a lot sooner. Than some than some people, yeah. especially. Um, I think you're. I, I cannot. You're... I cannot wait to see in the like a couple of the Indiana people that I talk to on Twitter. I cannot, and you know one in particular that I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> actually, no, I, I actually. I don't it's... know if I don't think said person will see my ranking because said person unfollowed me over a petty argument. But um. Griffin Healy is also an Indiana person, right? Yes, he's good. I like him. Okay. Yeah, I, I we follow each other. Yeah, I think. But that's not who I was talking about. No, I know who you were talking about. <laughs> yes. Um, Andrew, you probably know who I'm talking about if you don't. You, you at least, you definitely know of this person. Is If you're on college basketball Twitter, you know of this person. Yeah, anyway. Um, we're not saying this person's name right now um, because it's like Beetlejuice. <laughs> hmm. Grambling States. <laughs> <laughs> check it off the bingo card um we you really had to get that in like you can't go you can't go a show without mentioning grambling i mean we're on here for an hour and a half and, ch- and change and we're not going to talk about top 25 teams okay that, that's your choice i, I mean i, I mean are we not going to are we not going to talk about chester south carolina as well when are we going to talk about camel fighting and dodo birds? We've talked about Leaky Black. We have. We actually talked about Andrew Playtech, which is probably hey, the most hey, surprising thing in hey, this podcast. Hey, the Jalen Clark injury has to matter at some point. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I could, I could, I could make Ion CBB jokes all day. That podcast is so good. It's so good. It's so good. Oh, oh, another team that I think we're both going to be high on is UCLA. What 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 did you say? Okay, I haven't quite What? Well, I didn't say anything. What did you text me about UCLA? Hold on. <laughs> Let me find it. I forgot. I'm not sure you can say it on air. I'm going to read it in my head first. <laughs> Can't wait for Mick Cronin to outcoach Chaka. That I definitely can say. Yes. Um that's going to be fun. Uh, Mark, <laughs> yeah, no, I can't say this. <laughs> what did, but say like, re, like paraphrase it. It's it's just um, it's just that I I, t- I said I might end up making UCLA a top twenty five team just because I trust Mick Cronin to field a top twenty five team. With, nah, we're not going. <laughs> okay. Anyway, um, I, I like Mick Cronin too. Although I don't think I'd go as far as you did. Um. <laughs> All right, Andrew, got anything to add? No, just thank you for having me. Brackets, bubbles, and bid stealers will continue. 
with conference previews, with individual team previews. Yes, individual team previews. We'll dedicate full seven-hour shows to one team if you pay us a million dollars. Commercial-free brackets, balls, and pits. <laughs> okay, actually, though, I've already got a guest in mind to talk Kansas basketball. I've got guests in mind to talk about a bunch of other teams. We'll, we'll definitely have podcasts previewing a bunch of the top teams in the country. We'll Colorado talk, will not be one of them. We'll talk Houston. We'll talk Kansas. We'll talk Purdue. We'll talk about plenty of teams. We'll, we'll definitely have a Tennessee preview. We'll, we'll probably end up previewing teams like St. John's. We'll probably end up previewing Memphis. We'll have plenty of previews on the docket for you. We'll have awesome guests lined up. We have really awesome guests lined up. We have Ethan Bach lined up for the Big 12 preview. We're working on getting a bunch of other names that you will recognize. And that, I mean, the three or four people watching this right now, that they will know and love when we talk Big 10, when we talk Big East. When we talk SEC, hell, we're going to talk A-10. We're going to talk Mountain. Are we going to talk Mountain West? We might. We'll see. Depends, but depends how we're feeling. I cannot wait. I cannot wait for all the Brackets, Bubbles, and Bid Stealers content that you're going to get this preseason. Because we are officially, I declare right now, we are no longer in the college basketball offseason. We are in the college basketball preseason. Yes. Round of applause for the preseason. We have a hundred. We, we have the play to Phineas and Ferb. We have just less than 104 days left of summer vacation. <laughs> and I know how you want to spend it right here with us. Brackets, bubbles, and bitch dealers. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. We'll see you next time. And for now, watch basketball.